Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Abundology Podcast. I'm here today talking with my friend Heidi, and Heidi Gustafson is a board-certified hypnotist and mindset coach. She teaches people how to train their brains to stop sabotaging them and also teaches how our thoughts, our stories, and our beliefs create our reality. She's also the host of the Mastering Midlife with Heidi podcast, and I love talking with her. I always learn something every time we talk, so I figured you guys would too. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited, so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> well, we are talking today about people-pleasing. And this is a big topic. I see this a lot with my clients. Um, as women, I think we tend to be people pleasers. So I'm excited to talk about this today. So what do you think are some of the reasons why women are such people pleasers? I think the under one of the biggest underlying factors is that when we were raised when we were young, we were taught to be good and nice and sweet and not to say no or, you know, speak, not to talk back that um, we just got this underlying message, even if it wasn't said specifically that way, we got this underlying message that we were meant to be nice and be good and that then gave us this idea that being good meant making others happy pleasing them doing the right things um not doing the wrong things and then it also gave us the message for me for sure that if i wasn't good that meant i was bad and so I went on this path of doing everything I could to be good in order to avoid being seen as bad. And yeah. so it's like this, it's this trap, right? It's this trap. And then we grow into adult women and we're so used to the habit of making others happy, making sure that our family's happy, our friends are happy, everybody's happy, and it truly becomes a habit in the brain that is a very deep, deep groove that is hard to jump out of. Yeah, and we tend to put ourselves on the bottom of the happiness list. You know, yes. partners, employees, bosses, kids, even dog, even the pets are above us in the happiness list. Right. We put ourselves on the back burner. I actually had a client recently that we talk about their beliefs and she said, you know, growing up, I don't remember being told this specifically, but I learned that it was God other self. And I was like, whoa, I didn't get what she, I didn't picture what she was saying at first. But then when I pictured it as God on the top, others in the middle and self on the bottom. You're the low man on the totem pole. No matter who it is, no matter how they treat you, you have to suck it up and take it because that's what you're put here to do. That's the story. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, we don't even consciously think of this until we get in points in our lives where we have therapy or we go to coaches and we do some mindset work where it comes out of, wow, this is my underlying belief. 
Right. Or you go through a divorce like me or more than one. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm the common denominator here. What's happening? What is, what is creating this pattern in my life? And I realized that that is one of the pivotal factors for me was a pretty nasty divorce with an, with a person that became unhealthy in our marriage really quickly. And I was like, okay, what, what am I creating here? You know, how am I attracting these people? And that's one thing about people pleasers that a lot of people pleasers don't recognize is that you are open to manipulative um, people and behaviors in your life because you will overlook anything in order to keep the other person happy. Wow. So I assume that this goes right along with saying yes to everything. For sure. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No pun intended. Yeah. We, we think again that in order to fit in, we have to say yes. And that could be to, you know, to strangers as well as our partner you know, saying yes sometimes is not to our benefit or not the best thing for us. And yet we think we have to say yes and comply. Compliance is a big thing with people pleasing. We think we have to comply. Everybody is an authority over us in our minds. And so we have to comply to what they want. And that can be very detrimental especially in a, you know, an intimate relationship, if you're complying to someone and their behavior is abusive even, or their words are abusive. But as a people pleaser, we think that that's our lot in life. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be nice to speak up. Yeah. We wouldn't be a good girl then if we said no, if we said no. Right. Yeah. So can you give us any hints for when it is the right time to say yes? How would we know that? <laughs> what I what I tell my clients and friends that I talk to, you know, don't say yet. If someone texts you and asks you something or calls you and asks you to be on a committee or, you know, your family saying, are you making dinner, Right pause and say, let me get back to you. And that might not be appropriate for them for dinner, but um, we, we tend to react instead of taking a moment to see, okay, if I say yes to this, being on a committee, being, you know, whatever, am I going to show up? How am I going to show up if I say yes? Am I going to show up pissed off and, you know, already resentful that how dare they take my time away from me? I said yes, right? But that's what we think is that other people are doing this to us. Don't they know I'm busy? They shouldn't even ask. Mm, so we're, but, uh, we're almost thinking they're reading our minds. Right. Yeah. And, and that they know best for us. So they should know that I don't have the time to do this. Oh, 
because they're the authority. Right. Yes. Right. So I, I, I guide women that I work with to as many times as you can say, let me get back to you. And then, you know, truly get back to them 24 hours later or whatever, you know, I'll get back to you tomorrow and then sit and think about it. How am I going to show up if I say yes to this? Am I a full body? Yes. Am I in? Is this something I really want to do? Do I want to do it? That's what people pleasers, we don't even know what we want. We don't know what we need. We don't know what we like. When I started breaking free from that pattern, I was like, I'm so used to people telling me what to do or what I need to be doing. I did it in my job. I people pleased in my job. Like I was the ultimate, I wore the crown, the people pleasing crown, right? I didn't want to be dethroned <laughs> because that meant I was bad or not worthy. Uh, so, and we, yeah. we, I mean, let's be real. We've, we're taught this from the time that we're young. We're taught this in school, you know, that get A's, do your homework, you know, don't talk in class. Or, t- or talk more in class, you know, and then when we get in the workforce, we're rewarded for doing a good job. Um, and you're right, even then we're kind of on the back burner of what's important to us. Right. We, I mean, I don't know how many extra hours, you know, I stayed at my corporate job, right, to partially to look good. Mm. Because that's what people pleasing is about it's looking good. It's not what is right for me here. And where is my value? As people pleasers, like we don't, we don't see our value. And so it's, it's given, it's awarded, it's rewarded by someone else. So it's more about how you look than how you feel as a people pleaser yes yeah because we don't want to be perceived as bad or wrong or not perfect or not likable our the fear is like judgment we don't want to be judged so we put on this persona we put on this mask that is like always happy right? No matter how I'm feeling inside. But I think how I'm feeling is wrong. So feeling sad, feeling mad, like how many times was so angry at, you know, someone not following through on what they promised they would do. But me not then speaking up because that would be not viewed as nice or compliant or like I was telling them they were doing something wrong. Well, they were, they were breaking their promises, (laughs) but I just kept it in. I was hospitalized from not speaking up. Wow. The stress and the, the anxiety that came from it. Yeah. I ended up in the ER. Well, I think so many women can relate to this, to being the good girl. 
Um, I mean, we see that when people are even apologizing for, you know, saying, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. I, I know that that's one of the things that you talk about. I listened to your podcast about that, um, about people saying they're sorry. So that ties right into the people pleasing. Yes, for sure. Because we don't, again, want to be viewed as bad or wrong. So it's even like, think about if you're going to the grocery store, right? And you arrive at the door at the same time as someone and you're kind of vying for attention or I mean, for, um, you know, position. We're like, sorry, 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 you know, do I not have as much right for this space in this time and there was nothing i did wrong there's no reason to apologize but we apologize we say sorry for so many things and that has become a habit also it's habitual and um i actually spoke in my networking group about this a few weeks ago and they won't stop talking about it they come back and they're like I realize now how much I hear it that I say sorry, but I didn't hear it before because it's a habit and but you can break yourself of that habit just like any habit. But we say, you know, sorry, sorry I didn't call you back right away. My pet peeve, sorry I didn't text you back right away. You don't owe me a text back right away. You have a life. I have a life just because i text you and like i said to you you know when we were growing up if the phone rang and you were eating dinner or supper for me in iowa you did not get up from the table to answer that phone they'll call back but we live in such an instant gratification society now that we think our phone dings and that we're obligated another thing about people pleasers we're obligated to, to answer right away. You know, I um, started my mortgage career before cell phones, before email and all of that. And when you were done at five o'clock at night, you went home, you weren't available on the weekends. And now we see this culture where people are expecting, especially salespeople, I think, to be on 24 seven. Yes. And that just, I just just don't think that's healthy for any of us. One, I don't think it's healthy for people to expect that you are there at their, their call, (laughs) but also for us to expect that of ourselves, you know, yeah, yeah, we, it has added so much stress to us um, that we live now in fight or flight 80% of the day, all the time, because even though that doesn't necessarily feel stressful that your phone is ringing, you're never shutting down. Right. And your brain is never getting the chance to rejuvenate. And our, our brain weighs only three pounds, but it takes up, it utilizes 20% of our energy every day, even when we're sleeping. So if we're constantly on alert, you know, someone's calling me in for a meeting or someone's calling for last minute, whatever. Or if we're constantly on alert, that means we're in fight or flight a lot. And fight or flight puts out hormones. And especially for women, women will want to hear this. Cortisol is a hormone that we pump out when we go into fight or flight. 
because the body thinks, the mind thinks that we need to get away from this. There's something dangerous. And cortisol is a hormone that makes us hold on to fat, especially belly fat. So like there are long-term effects of this staying on our phone all the time. Even if it's social media and we think we're relaxing, we're not relaxing. That's not relaxing because you're probably getting into comparisonitis if you're on social media, right? Which is another thing that can plague people pleasers. It's Always. So so tell me, talk, let's talk a little bit about that, about the um, comparisonitis and people pleasing. How does that sh kind of show up? So as a people pleaser, right, we, th w one thing that goes along with people pleasing for, for me anyway, is perfectionism because I wanted to show up perfect. So if I get on social media, then I'm comparing myself to people who are better than me. And that puts me in the position of thinking that I'm less than, right, when I get into that. So it's, again, another vicious cycle that comparing ourselves, either we compare to we're better than, I'm, I'm doing better than them, right? You can use it that way, but that's not typically the way we do it. We compare to I'm not as good as them. Yeah. And we're, of course, with their filters and the five minutes of their day that might have been outstanding, not the other 23 hours that weren't, that they were human. I'm going to put it that way because we all like experience that stuff. We're not perfect. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think though, when I was growing up, I thought perfect was an actual place you could get to. I think a lot of people think that. I really think that and I think that, I think I thought that everyone else had already figured it out, how to get there. Yep. yep. <laughs> and that's comparing, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's this constant striving to be something else, which then leads me to, that's really inauthentic. And I tell clients, and they don't, I, and I, I preface it by saying, you're probably not going to like hearing this, but people-pleasing is manipulative. How so? Because if we're not being who we truly are, we're being something else, then we're doing that to, in a way, control them to not leave us, to like us, to accept us, to value us, but they're not liking or being with the real me. And so then when I do, like if you get in a relationship with someone, right? And But you've been inauthentic, you have been hiding because you thought it was the good thing to do. And our, our brain, our, our main goal is to survive right? As a, as a person. And being rejected wouldn't feel like dying. Because it goes back, you know, to our old DNA caveman, cavewoman days of like, survive, don't die. 
And I had to be protected and accepted by my caveman or my people. Otherwise, if I was thrown out, if I was rejected, I could die back in those days, right? So, but our DNA hasn't changed much. So we want to stay in this survival. I mean, we stay in this survival mode and that means don't show up as who I am really am with some flaws and and that's inauthentic and that is being manipulative because then when I do show my true colors, like the person is like, wait a minute, this is not who you showed yourself to be. And I don't necessarily care for that, you know, you speaking up that way. But if I had just spoken my truth to begin with, they would have known. Does this work for me or does it not work for me? Well, and then talk about a cycle because then you, that would feel like a death. That would be the worst thing that could happen. So you would go back to putting the mask on, the people pleasing. And so you're not getting your needs met. They are in an inauthentic relationship. They're with somebody they don't even know who that person is. But if you, oh, wow. And then it just spirals from there. <laughs> yep. Wow. And then you go from to the next relationship, okay, you know, next relationship. seeking. And, yep. and that's what I did. Seeking yeah. that approval again, that that validation that I'm worthy, that I'm okay. But I thought the only way I could do it was to pretend to be someone who was okay. Like I to was told in high school, you're so confident. Or even, you know, in my early 20s, 30s, probably all my life, like you're so confident you're so confident. And I didn't feel it inside. What they were seeing was this, this mask of confidence. Because if I didn't show that I was confident, or that I had a fault, then the fear was I would be rejected. So mask of confidence, and then also mask of happiness. Yes, you mentioned that earlier, too. Yes. Yep. Yeah happy, I'm happy, you're happy, don't rock the boat, right? If I'm not happy, if I bring up something that's going on that, that I'm truly not happy with, but if I bring that up, that's going to rock the boat. And, and people-pleasing is also a controlling thing, which I never got until I was in CODA for Codependence Anonymous um, for probably a full year before I actually got it. Because I'm like, I'm not controlling. I'm so nice. I'm so easy to get along with. Like, I'm not controlling. I fought against this controlling thing. And then one day I realized I was talking, I was actually going to a therapist and she said, why is it that you think you have to cover up for other people? Because I would cover up for partners when they were, you know, being verbally abusive or not following through on their commitments, I would cover up for them. And um, I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure this out. So I went home, started like, I knew there was an answer somewhere. And suddenly it came to me was that was my way of controlling the outcome. 
So if I didn't tell on them, then I could depend on their continued behavior in this way, even though it was not good, but I didn't have to worry about something blowing up in my face. I could control the outcome, but look how devastating that can be, right? Because I had so much fear of retribution or retaliation from the other person of me speaking my truth, I didn't speak my truth. And that's controlling. Wow. So clearly, because these, these beliefs and these thoughts are so ingrained in our being from the time we're little kids, um, this makes such sense to me now while we're talking about this, because hypnosis is probably one of the best tools that you can use to change these beliefs and thoughts. The best. The best. Yeah. Because what happens is all of those beliefs and habits and, you know, all the negative self-talk is in the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is 95% of our existence. It runs our day 95% of the time. The logical thinking, like what we're doing right now, is only 5% of our day. All the rest comes from the subconscious. And unless you can open the door to the subconscious, it's very, very difficult to change a belief or a story or a habit. That's why people who are trying to work out at the beginning of the year, right? two weeks in and they're like, okay, I'm done with that or trying to eat healthy because they're trying to willpower their way through it. And willpower is in the conscious mind. So it's only 5% of your power. And who named it willpower? I have no idea. (laughs) Somebody named Will. (laughs) Yeah, right. But there is no power in willpower. It's like a cell phone battery. It dies. It's going to die. And so hypnosis, as we get into the relaxed state of hypnosis and that's all it is is a relaxed state it's like when you're a kid and you're imagining oh i'm gonna fly to the moon or i'm imagining a vacation on the beach right we use our imaginations a lot when we're kids we're in a hypnotic state as kids until about this age of seven or eight automatically or have you ever been driving down driving somewhere deep in thought right while you're driving because it's so automatic driving is a habit and you miss your turn and then you realize two blocks later i just missed my turn you were in a hypnotic state so the only way to get in there and retrain rewire those neural pathways which is what all of our habits and thoughts and limiting beliefs are pathways in the brain that have just joined together. And they're like, it's really hard to get us apart. But hypnosis is what allows us to get in there and rewire, make a new pathway. Because if I say to you, it's lightest at nighttime, you're like, 
No, it's not in your logical mind, right? You know, it's lightest during the day. In hypnosis, we open up that gateway so that a belief that you maybe don't believe currently, we can rewire that belief. So if I believe I'm not worthy in the conscious mind, you say, or that, you know, I can't lose weight. You say, yes, you can, but I, in my conscious mind, I don't believe it. We have to get into the subconscious and that's what hypnosis allows us to do. And then once we do that, it's really fast. The transformation is really fast. That's so interesting. I have to say I can kind of relate to this because um, people, when when I talk with them too, they have some ideas about um, life and that maybe they don't trust their intuition or themselves. But if the spirit guides happen to say, da, 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 oh, we believe it then. So that's why I think a lot of there's a lot of quick transformation when I talk to people. It's big, it's a similar a similar thing. Right, it's almost like you're tricking the brain. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. kind of this all really go, leads back to I would say like self-love. Yes, for sure. Mhm. Um, yeah. And Again, I think we we were trained that to talk about ourselves or love ourselves was wrong. That was selfish to boast about something that we had accomplished, right? When we were kids, I don't know how many to- times I was told, you know, don't talk about yourself. Don't don't talk highly of yourself. That's wrong to do that. And so like I learned that it felt wrong to like care about myself, that that felt selfish somehow to put myself in high regard and not in a way of, you know, that I'm better than, but at least that I'm equal to, like I have the right to, hold this space. But again, as I think as people pleasers and being taught to be nice and good, that that's not nice. It's not nice to think highly of yourself. It's not nice to say things that you're good at either, because the other person might not be good at them and you might hurt at that and they might hurt their feelings. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yes, for sure. So, and self-love, you know, self-care, I talk about that. Um, people think that that's, you know, bubble baths and champagne, right? That's not yeah. self-care. Self-care is self-love, compassion, acceptance, like radical acceptance of ourself, not wanting to get rid of the parts that we don't care for in ourselves like i'm super sensitive and i can cry at the drop of a hat you you know that from you know sessions with you like it's really easy and i i was told growing up stop crying so i thought that that was a bad thing and then i became embarrassed 
if I would get emotional at something and I would try to hide my emotions. Now I see that it's a gift because I can be vulnerable and show my emotions. It allows other people to go, oh, wow, it's okay to be vulnerable and show your emotions. And because I'm sad or I can cry when I'm happy too, like, uh, you know, I see people reuniting at the airport and it's like, I'm crying. And, um, but now I view it as a gift because it allows other people to see my vulnerability and it allows them to be vulnerable too. And I think that's self-love, allowing yourself, allowing to be seen, right? That's what I want women to know is, and this will get me emotional because I grew up not feeling seen and I didn't know it until about five years ago. I didn't discover it until I was 55 that I never felt seen and therefore I never, never felt heard. And I didn't, you know, from that came that I wasn't, I didn't feel worthy. So now I'm like on this mission to make sure that I'm doing that for myself, but also for other women to help them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have every right to feel seen, to feel heard, to speak up for themselves, that they're worthy, that they have a place. They were put here for a purpose and a reason. Maybe they don't know what that is yet, but it's not about other people. It's about them. And I, I've been seeing twice in the last week, which this word is not common to me, reverence. Like, so I, I had to actually look it up because I was like, what does that mean? And it's to be in deep regard, deep respect of something. And I think like having deep reverence for self and knowing that you are the source of everything that you need in your life. Not to say you don't need other people, but you don't have to look outside yourself for validation or respect or honor or love, any of that. It's It all starts with you. It all starts with me, you know, inside. Wow, that's very powerful. And I think we forget that because we're searching for whatever it is that we want out there. You know, where is it? Where are people? Social media is great for this. Yeah. You know, as many likes, you know, like, look at my new shirt. The more likes it gets, the more I like my new shirt when I can just love my new shirt. Without, right. Without anybody liking it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I love talking with you. We could talk about this stuff for hours. Forever. (laughs) Forever. Um. You have a, I want to, I will put a link to Heidi's podcast in the show notes because you have some wonderful episodes in there that kind of break down what we've talked, many of the things we've talked about today, but more in depth. Right. Yeah. Um, You also have a really great downloadable that I love, 20 ways to say no without guilt. (laughs) That was perfect. The the sub caption of that is, or feeling like a bitch. Or feeling like a bitch. Yeah, that's great. And can you tell, you also have a Facebook group. Can you tell us about your free July challenge that's coming up in the Facebook group? Yes. So 
in December last year, I did a challenge called the 12 days of stressmas challenge. And it's the easiest challenge, non-challenge that you'll ever do. So I'm, I'm kind of repeating it, but with new topics and it's ways that you might be adding stress to your life that you have no idea, like having expectations of people. And what the challenge is, is you just sign up, say yes. I put a less than five minute video in my private Facebook group every day for 12 days. You watch the video and then comment. And every time you comment for every day, you're entered into a drawing to win prizes like cash or coaching with me. Um, so it's the easiest non-challenge you'll ever do. And I had so many people in December say, oh my gosh, it feels like you're in my head. So I know the topics were really hitting home, but you know, we, we have expectations of people and then we end up being resentful because they didn't meet our expectations, but expectations are just premeditated resentments. So things like that, that, that add stress to our life that we don't even realize that, that, we're, doing. that we're doing. Yeah. yeah. That's fabulous. Um, I will put a link to, to sign up for your Facebook group also yep. in the show notes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you can get more info. Um, what's your website? It's masteringmidlifewithheidi.com? Yes, it is. Okay. I keep, I keep everything easy. I like it. That's, that's the <laughs> podcast, the private Facebook group. It's all the same name. So it's, it's great. So I want to thank you once again for being here and sharing some of your wisdom. I'm sure so many of us can see ourselves in the things that we talked about today. Yeah. So. It, uh, thank you so much for your time and and uh, offering this to me. It's been amazing. <laughs> I've enjoyed it so much. I love talking about people pleasing and how we can recover from it because there is, there is a way out. There is there, way it's out. an epidemic. Let's be real. It's an epidemic, especially I think for women of maybe our age. Fortunately, I see a little bit of difference in my niece that is younger, you know, so I'd love to see the tide turn with this ge right. next generation. Yeah, yes, for sure. For sure. But yeah, my main goal is to make sure that all women know that they're important too. Yes. Right. I love that. Thank you again, Heidi. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk to everybody else again next time. Bye.